Good evening, Airmen of Troy, and welcome back to another episode of Sound Off Leadership Lessons with the AOT. Our mission here is to inspire and develop future leaders of the Air Force and beyond. I'm Cadet Wynn. And I'm Cadet Adora. And today's guest is Captain Nick Zimmerman. Captain Zimmerman, could you start off by telling a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I want to say uh, hey to everyone out there. Yeah, a little bit about me. I uh, actually went to California State University of Fullerton, uh, graduated 2013. Uh, which means that I was across town over to Debt 60 out of USC. Did the uh, the five-year program because I like college so much. Commission 2013, I uh, got my pilot slot. Uh, I think back then, I don't know if things have changed, but I think we got it in 2012 or 2013, about a year prior to, to uh, commissioning. I uh, went to Laughlin Air Force Base. Actually, pretty soon right after I commissioned, I think I only had about a month off before I was actually over at Laughlin Air Force Base. So it was a pretty quick transition. I did... Uh, Laughlin for the normal duration of pilot training, so about a year to a year and a half. Uh, obviously flew the T6, um, which is the first uh, first trainer that we fly, and then got selected for T38s. Uh, flew T38s for the last half of pilot training, and then uh, got picked up to fly the CV-22 Osprey in uh, Air Force Special Operations Command. So from that point, uh, I went to, went to Kirtland. Uh, to start initial training uh, on the CV-22. And then part of that program was uh, going over actually to a Marine base on the East Coast at New River. Did uh, a little bit of MV-22 training. So it's uh, very similar to the CV-22, same airframe, just a little bit different in terms of systems. Then I went back to Kirtland to finish out my training. I think I finished there in 2016. After that, uh, I went to my first assignment, which was um, at Robert Field which is Air Force Special Operations Command Headquarters. And then uh, from that point, I'm currently stationed in New Mexico. Where are you from? Um, Are you local to California? Yeah, I actually grew up in uh, Orange County, California. Kind of liked growing up in Southern California. Didn't really want to leave for college. Uh, And the first time I moved out of there was uh, because the Air Force had to go to Laughlin. So, yep, that's my hometown. Um, So what made you choose to join ROTC and specifically our detachment? Let's see. It's probably no surprise. I think a lot of people have the same mindset uh, that I do or I, that I did. Uh, growing up, I was kind of always liked uh, airplanes and aviation and thought, you know, if I'm going to fly, I think my best bet's probably going to the Air Force. So um, in high school, I looked at going to the academy and uh, like, uh, I don't think I was smart enough to get in. So I got rejected from the academy, to be honest. Um, they told me, uh, nope, can't come to the academy. So did ROTC and uh, Debt 60 just kind of stood out. Uh, I think Debt 60 and uh, I forget what the detachment is at a UCLA both reached out because I had a scholarship. So it was a little bit of a battle on which one to go to. And uh, Debt 60 just kind of stood out. I think uh, the leadership uh, and the professionalism was just a little bit more what I was looking for. Awesome. And did you try join any other activities as well as ROTC? No, actually, so I think the only, you know, organization I was a part of was ROTC, grew up playing hockey. So I was part of like, a, you know, a local ice hockey league. I'm really into outdoors type of things. So um, anytime I can go get out and do, you know, some mountain biking or hiking or backpacking, things of that nature, I was always up for doing that. What about in like within ROTC? Did you do Honor Guard, things like that? Oh, yeah. It's been a little bit of time now. So uh, I did Honor Guard for two years. Um, that was really cool. I don't I don't know if you guys are still doing it, but 
able to, you know, get on the field and, and present the colors. It was super cool, especially the first time doing that. Uh, I was in charge of uh, SoCal Field Day. I don't know. You guys still do that? You know, like we, we're both first years. So we've been online this entire time. So we don't even actually know of things that usually happen. But Cadet Dora oh, might, might know some traditions. Yeah, I do only like briefly a little, but like, you know, I don't know like details about it. Yeah, I totally forgot, you know, COVID's throwing a wrench into the <laughs> like normal pattern of life. But when I was going through Debt 60, uh, SoCal Field Day was a sporting event where uh, a lot of the local detachments would get together and compete one day of the year. You know, if I remember right, I think it was the detachments out of obviously USC, UCLA, San Diego, Cal State, but it's like five or six detachments that get together and um, there'd be five or six sports, like normal sports, uh, football, soccer, things of that nature that everyone would compete in. And um, that year, Detachment 60 ended up uh, hosting it and it would just rotate throughout the years. Uh, so it's a really big event. And then at the end, you know, one detachment would uh, have the would claim basically the overall winner of the uh, SoCal Field Day. So I was in charge of running that. Yeah. With Honor Guard, I would love to do that one day. I know they still do that. Yeah, highly, highly recommend it. All right. So like now we're already kind of into ROTC, but just moving to like transition into careers a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, how did your experience in ROTC at a 60 kind of help you prepare for your career or even help you determine what you wanted to do? Um, I think the first thing that looking back, it helped me without knowing it at the time was the you know, how command works. So what I mean by that is people that aren't in the military, they're used to going, you know, direct to their boss in the sense of, you know, via email or whether it be in person and they, they don't have the command and control or I guess the organizational uh, hierarchy that, you know, the military does. And, and some companies do, uh, but what, what I'm trying to get to is, Everything in ROTC is based around, you know, leadership in the sense that each, you know, freshman, sophomore, all the way through senior have their own, if I remember right, their own individual, you know, flight commanders, things of that nature. So in a sense, ROTC is built really well in, in, in making the big Air Force smaller and at a detachment level. So what you guys are doing in ROTC um, it is just multiplied on a great deal on what the Air Force does as a whole. So it kind of teaches you the routing, that information flows, and then the, how it flows up and back down the command structure and how orders are given, right? So for example, you know, your detachment, uh, the detachment commander, they'll give their intent, and but the cadets run it, the cadet wing commander. So basically they would take the intent of the like lieutenant colonel and apply that across the force. Uh, but it's not their job to go to everyone one-to-one, -one, right? It filters down the line. And then obviously anything that needs to go up the chain goes up the chain. So you, you learn that in, in my opinion, in an indirect way, which is just fine. So it kind of prepared me. So when I stepped into the active duty air force, it was an easy transition in knowing how the organizational structure of the air force works. That's awesome. And then can you tell us one lesson that you learned in ROTC that applies to your career today? Uh, let's see here. I think this one goes two ways. It answers two questions is, uh, like one word encapsulates is empowerment. When I was in charge of SoCal field day, uh, I had, you know, cadets underneath me that were helping me out and, uh, it became to a point like anything else that, you know, I didn't have the time. And I was kind of learning that through ROTC, which is what, what it's meant for. 
I don't have the time to basically micromanage. So you give them a task and you trust that they go ahead and run with it. So you're basically like empowering the people or the cadets that are underneath you and then carrying that forward to active duty. I, I do the same thing all the time. And, you know, the older I get in, in the air force, uh, the more that bell rings loud. And what I mean is you're going to have enlisted uh, underneath you. Some of them, older than you and then some of them a lot younger than you regardless they're going to be awesome in what they do instead of micromanaging you know i learned that if you just empower them and say hey i need this done and give them the, the power to go out and execute it you'll be surprised at what they're able to accomplish regardless of how many years in the air force they've been you know i've had airmen that literally have only been in the air force for three years or two years take tasks that i thought only a captain could do and crushed it just empower your people at all levels that's one of the biggest lessons we get told is the Chester people. Yeah, absolutely. The Air Force is full of really smart individuals. and You'll be surprised um, to a point, you know, you won't be surprised anymore because you know how effective airmen at all levels are just by giving them a little bit of empowerment and see how far they can go. After the break, we'll be talking more about career and leadership. Troy and listeners, we're now going to be transitioning away from ROTC life and more into career and leadership. So Captain Zimmerman, to start off, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in special operations? So at pilot training, I, I really like, I guess my favorite part was uh, the low level uh, flying. So I put air, like aircraft in my dream sheet that flew pretty low to the ground, one of them being CV-22s and the special operations side, I didn't know much about at pilot training. There's not very, when I went through, and I think it's still the case right now. And I think they're, they're working on getting more special operation uh, pilots into UPT to be instructors. But it was like an unknown field. And that kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit of like, man, what, it, what is this? Got selected for CV-22s. And I, I thought it was, it'd be more, a little bit more exciting for me anyway, and things that I like to do to get an aircraft in that, uh, in that lineup in the special operations world. So that's what kind of got my foot in the door. And then uh, I was off to the races and into training and, and doing what we do out here. I was a young officer, so I didn't know much, but it sounded cool to me. So I kind of went, went for it. Sometimes that's what it takes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I just kind of wish that the there was people out there that came from special operations to inform us a little bit of what, what it's all about and what side of the Air Force that is, because it's such a small community. Uh, it would have gave me a little bit more insight a little bit sooner and what does a day in a life look like for you? Let's see. It can be a little uh, unscheduled. So, you know, there's things that come up, it can be anywhere to, that you may be called to be a part of. You, you get tasked to some things that, that are short notice. For example, one of my deployments was a short notice deployment. Our squadron commander, you know, called us in and said, hey, pack your bags. Like we leave flying at night. We, uh, we, we specialize in flying at night. So I, I think right now I have more hours flying under night vision goggles than I do during the day. Um, so you get really good at flying at night, affecting missions with joint users. So we work a lot with our sister services, which is really cool because you get to see how they operate, what specialties they bring to the table. We're, we're TDY quite a bit. So uh, we, we go and train with those uh, sister services all over the United States. 
Uh, so that's really cool. So if you like to travel, you, you get to uh, go to uh, different locations and affect training with those uh, individuals. You know, I was a flight commander, so I oversaw about 20 individuals. And uh, so if I wasn't flying, I was ensuring that their training was being conducted in accordance with the commander's intent and uh, making sure that they're ready to uh, deploy when, uh, when it comes time. So like because special operations is such a niche field, what is one thing or even a couple mm-hmm. things that you would want to tell a cadet now who is looking into career fields that like they might not know about special ops? Special operations has a lot of career fields within it. So some of them are dedicated within special operations. For example, the CV-22 is pretty much only in AFSOC other than the training schoolhouse, which is under part of uh, Air Education and Training Command. If you're in an operational CB-22 squadron, you are in AFSOC, whereas you can still go into AFSOC, for example, and be a nurse, and like you're attached to an AFSOC unit. You can do one tour within AFSOC. If you're not going to be you know, a pilot in AFSOC and you're going to do you know, a different career field, pretty much almost all the career fields are a part of AFSOC as well. It's not like AFSOC stands alone, and once you're in AFSOC, you're you don't leave AFSOC. There's not a whole lot of Air Force individuals here or airmen. I mean, we're kind of, I like to call it, we're kind of out in the boonies. Uh, but the mission is like right out there, which is, which is really cool. It's super, super close to it. One thing to note is it's a, it's a high operations tempo. What I mean by that is uh, I think Hurlburt Field was the most deployed Air Force base of any of the Air Force bases. Uh, constantly deploying so you just got to understand when you if you want to do that uh, you you got to be in the mental headspace of you're going to go tdy a lot Um, you're going to be you know deployed quite often uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing especially if you know if it's something that you're you're aware of when you go to that Um, i think where it catches people off guard is when they're unaware of that and they go now suck and they're they're kind of surprised by the operations tempo of it Understanding that would be a key factor. It's, it's going to be busy, but it, it, the cool thing is the missions that you do, you, you get to see the fruit of your labor a little bit. Not saying that, you know, other uh, like careers don't, but you, you get to come back home and be like, wow, like I did it. Like the mission was right there. You know, you're, you're a little bit closer to the mission than I think some of the units are being in AFSOC. So if you're looking for that, you know, AFSOC would be the right choice. And I think the last thing is with that high ops tempo, it's got its, its trade-offs and, you know, you just got to understand the operation tempo is there and there's no harm. And, you know, if you want to go after it now and be an asset, go for it. Or if you want to wait a little bit and use that as your next assignment, things that ROTC cadets or people or airmen that are looking to potentially go to ASOC. That's awesome. And honestly, I really love to hear that. So we're going to move on into the leadership aspect of the podcast and I'd like to ask, what is the most important leadership skill that you learned in the Air Force? So I kind of said it a little bit earlier, but, you know, empowerment, trusting the people and the airmen around you at all levels. You don't have to micromanage them, just giving them the task, giving them your intent. Your job as an officer is to mentor them along the way. So it's okay to let your airmen make their own mistakes and have them learn from it as long as it, you know, isn't affecting the mission. I think that just provides a really good environment for empowerment, leadership, and and learning. That's awesome. And then what is an advice that you would like to give 300s and 400s who are getting ready to enter active duty as a brand new, a second lieutenant? Feedback is key to uh, 
you know, to learning the job and learning yourself. So, but it's on ownership of both parties. So as a young, you know, officer, as a young ROTC cadet, I think uh, I just, I was a little bit more on the, I'll be told what to do. But as far as feedback, you know, I waited till feedback was given to me, but it's okay. And you should, as a, you know, the younger airman and or uh, cadet is to go to the uh, cadets that are in charge or the officers that are in charge of you and say, Hey, I'm just looking for feedback. How am I doing here? Uh, because everyone's busy and doing things and you got to be proactive. So being a little bit more proactive, and, you know, going in and asking for feedback and then looking for things that can be done better. And then just doing that, you know, you don't always have to sit by and just wait to be told what to do, especially as an officer in the Air Force. Certainly the feedback, if there's anything I've learned from ROTC in you know, this past year is that the constructive feedback is the most important part of any type of feedback. Because that's the one part that makes you grow and that you can learn from. Yeah, and absolutely, 100%. I mean, I just asked for feedback. I think two days ago, this person wasn't even in my chain of command. It's just, a, you know, a partner force that we're, that we're supporting out here. I'm working with them and just asking them for feedback even. He's not even in my chain of command. And just how do I refine what I'm doing and pr- produce a, a more effective force out here and uh, to provide a a collective, more effective force uh, in the joint environment that we're at, we are in. We want to take some time real quick, circle back to, there's something that you wanted to bring up a little bit while we were on a break. No, absolutely. So we were on this break and being a nurse, uh, and, I mean, in nursing school, you want to be a nurse in the Air Force. Do you have an, like an idea as to where you want to be stationed first? How does that play out in your your planning process so I've been looking into some places so my interest is as a nurse at least is to be in the emergency department or the ICU so they're very like hard like departments so like really tough places to be in honestly the places that I found interest in was probably in South Korea or in uh, Ramstein yeah, no, absolutely. So, and the reason I wanted to ask you these questions is because I think it, it opens this, you know, segues into advice, not be the right uh, word, but some insight just from my experiences in the Air Force. And definitely uh, really, I think a really cool job, really rewarding job um, for, for anyone looking, you know, in, in nursing and yeah. And uh, maybe having a little bit of a bug in their ear for AVSOC or going special operations. Obviously, we have nurses uh, in special operations, uh, we also have some specialty jobs in uh, special operations that you can look into that are really cool. You, you'll, you'll definitely deploy a little bit more, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if that's what you're looking for. Uh, you can look up if you go to like the, the AVSOC uh, uh, webpage, there's uh, a couple programs that you could do that uh, you'll be surprised that uh, that exists out there. So I would just look it up, you know. Uh, one of them, I think, is SOFMI, so Special Operation Forces Medical Element, I think is what it stands for. Really cool. It might be something you're interested in. And if not, you know, I'm not trying to recruit people in AFSOC, but cadets that, you know, are listening to this that are in the nursing and may have a, a bug in there for it, you know, look that up and it might be something that you didn't know about that, that exists out there. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I'll definitely look into it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. What was it that you wanted to do in the Air Force and where where do you want to go? I'm still exploring a little bit. Right now, I'm kind of between yeah. intelligence or public affairs. But as far as okay. where I want to go, I have no idea. 
I know people in, in both those career fields. So let's start with public affairs. I assume that's why uh, you're part of the podcast thing is public affairs, right? Yep. One yes, of my sir. really good friends that I, yeah, one, one of my really good friends that I graduated uh, or actually commissioned with is, uh, uh, was trying to go public affairs and then she switched to Intel. So it's actually a, a good segue. They have really uh, unique circumstances where they get to meet, um, you know, VIPs and, and do things, uh, you know, with the public and kind of join the, the Air Force with, with the public eye. So that, that's actually really cool. And I can definitely put you in touch or whoever's interested in touch with uh, people that I know in the PA world. Uh, one of them was uh, through AVSOC. And what's really cool is when we deployed uh, on that short notice deployment, we actually took a PA officer with us and she got to literally go through deployment with us in the sense of where we were going on the deployment throughout the different locations that we were moving to and, and see how we operate and, uh, and, and help us along the way on, on that deployment. So now she's moved, I think, to AETC. That, that just shows that, you know, for PA or some other career fields, you don't have to, you know, stay in AppSoc. Uh, definitely really cool. Okay, so uh, as we wrap up, do you have uh, any stories to tell us? I try to think of one a little bit along the way. It's kind of hard to pinpoint. I think not so much a, a funny story, and I, but it's a, I think it's a story worth telling because I think it's unique. Is that I went to, uh, obviously, you guys know about background a little bit, but uh, I have a best friend that went through RTC with me. So we went through Debt 60 together. We missioned together. We got our pilot training bases, obviously, the same day. We were going to the same location. He was at USC, but I was at Cal State Fullerton. Went to pilot training the same month. Uh, we're roommates at pilot training the entire duration. Uh, from pilot training, we both got AVSOC at the same base. So we were uh, at Hurlburt together, roommates. And then for a little while, uh, he flies a different plane. Uh, but we were AVSOC together, still are. And uh, I just got, uh, you know, relocated last year and uh, he's going to join me to be my literal, like the, the, the house next door to me opened up for rent and he got it. So the Air Force can't separate me and him as much as they'd like to try. It's just impossible. I think we're going to go through, uh, you know, every base together through our whole time here. So usually, you know, people are separate ways, but me and him just luck have it going to the same places yes definitely that's so neat it's like you guys are inseparable oh yeah for sure best friends yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so and uh unfortunately out of all the deployments that we've had and uh like i said being an absolute you do get deployed quite a bit which is really rewarding he i think he's been on it's been like over five deployments maybe over six and uh, i'm on my fourth out here being the airplane he flies and the airplane I fly, uh, we we would have a really you know, high chance of working with each other on missions. Uh, but luck hasn't come down yet, and we haven't been on a mission together. But I hope one day I hear him on the radio, you know, going in on a mission. Uh, it, it would be really cool, but I would have thought it would have happened by now. But it's just it ha the stars haven't quite aligned in that manner for it to happen. But I know I think uh, we got a couple more deployments under our belt that. We can, we can try to affect that, but we've been on opposite deployment schedules. So sometimes I don't see him for like almost a year because he'll deploy. And when he's on his way back, I'll be going out the door to deploy. Maybe one day. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll be waiting for that story for sure.
Yeah, well, that's all the questions I have prepared today. Cadet uh, Adora, did you want to add anything else? That is all I have. All right, Captain Zimmerman, is there any other last uh, last thoughts or advice, anything you want to leave with the Airmen of Troy? No, not, not specifically. Uh, you know, thanks for having me on here. And, you know, hopefully uh, I provided a little bit of light in terms of the small, you know, special operations world in the Air Force. And if they have any questions, you could reach out. I can try to answer them to the best of my ability. Of course. Thank you so much, Captain Zimmerman, for taking the time to join us today. We know the time difference is just scheduling. Sometimes it can be really hard, but it was a pleasure to meet you. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Sound Off Leadership Lessons with the Airmen of Troy. Our music today was mixed by Cadet Rohit Menon. You can check out the Airmen of Troy on our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, airmenoftroy.org. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Captain Zimmerman as much as we did. And remember, sound off and fight on.